Hi everybody, this is John Hargrove, and welcome back after a little holiday hiatus to the AESP podcast series. Today I have a, another longtime industry ally of mine, Paul Schuler, the Chief Executive Officer of Franklin Energy. Frank, uh, Paul, give a, give a shout out to our listeners. Hello, John, and hello listeners. Appreciate the opportunity. So, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and, uh, and Franklin? Sure. Um, well, I'll try to cover a 35-year career here pretty quickly because it really breaks down into two segments. The first 10 years was uh, working at utilities and starting a couple of different energy consulting and ESCO-type businesses that evolved over time and really came back to the fact that we needed to focus on utility clients, and that's when Franklin Energy started about 25 years ago. And We've been working in the utility space on energy efficiency and demand response programs since then and just keep plugging away and have been able to grow fairly substantially over that uh, time period. But it's really been an enjoyable run and looking forward to the future even more. Well, I agree. I've, I've been around, uh, well, been around for a long time, obviously, but I've worked with Franklin on and off for years too. So I appreciate you taking your uh, time out of your schedule today to talk. You know, I, I've been watching some of the things that Franklin's up to lately, and, and I'm going to have you talk a little bit about that. And that, but but our conversation today is going to focus on the work, <clears throat> excuse me, that you and your colleagues at Franklin have been doing in the area of what what I would say is diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, especially in the form of your employers, your suppliers, and partners. And you know, you and I have spoken about the importance of diversity for and for anybody who know us. I, I suspect there's probably they're noticing the elephant in the virtual room with us here is they're both, we're both middle-aged white males. So, you know, we'll, we'll put that on the table right now so that everybody knows that, you know, that we understand who we are and what we're talking about. But I actually think we can use that to reinforce how important this topic is to everybody and to us, because, you know, people don't always look and sound just like you and I, uh, and regardless of who they are, diversity is one of the things that makes us so much more powerful as a team. So one of the things that I want to talk about and make sure that we cover is, is your company's commitment to diversity and the fact that you are investing in resources to help you move that needle. That's the part I find really interesting and that's what I want to talk a little more about. But let's start with some of your basic feelings about you know, the benefits of a more diverse perspective and, and business processes. And to do that, let me start you off with a simple but hard question. Why is achieving diversity important to you specifically as a leader of a business? Uh, that is a pretty specific question, um, and thanks for acknowledging the elephant in the virtual room, as you said. I heard uh, somebody at a conference re recently, John, refer to people like you and myself as uh, pale, stale, and male. Well, you know, we we can't help the the pale and male part, but we don't have to be stale as to how we're looking at this, and I think that's hugely important because there's a lot of people in decision-making positions that I think have the obligation to look at this and to be impactful to uh, diversity and how that gets further rolled into our industry. And we need to be a positive influence on that and get, a, get out of the way after that because there's a lot of other people coming in that can do our jobs and can, can do this well and we'll have diverse views and I think we'll be better off as an industry over time as uh, some of us eventually cycle out of this uh, industry and make room for others. So that's a weird way of answering your question, I think, but 
it really goes to what we're trying to do when we're trying to help craft how the industry looks going forward. And it's important both personally and professionally. Professionally, this is the crass part. It's important to our clients, so it needs to be important to us. But this goes far deeper than that. You know, we're in an industry that has seen significant growth over the last couple decades. And with that growth comes employment opportunities. And if we structure those employment opportunities well, we will do our clients a favor, we will do our staff a favor, and, and we'll be positioned well going into the future. Yeah, I agree completely. And and uh, and I like the way that you phrase that. And uh, other than that stale part, I agree with you. I'm not sure we get that. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny you mentioned this. Uh, you, I, you may have heard, or many people may have heard, I'm retiring here in a few months, and uh, and I intend to leave this industry to the the young, the new, and uh, the young professionals and the new professionals in this industry. And I cannot be more excited about uh, the hands that will be controlling this industry. I'm just thrilled with the direction that we've gone, especially over the last 10 years. You know, we we look at diversity as a way to develop strength. And talk to me a little bit, Paul, about some of the obvious strengths that business can enjoy from that diversity. Well, you know, that diversity provides an understanding of our utility clients and use customers, right? They have, by definition, a diverse customer group because they're serving everybody. And that not just racial diversity, but gender, ethnicity, age, political views, all kinds of diversity can be put into this bucket. And all of that will help our help us serve our utility clients better and more effectively. So I think when you look at that, the creativity that comes from changing programs will come from a diverse view. So we're benefiting from that, running more efficient programs, delivering better services by having that. And, and I think there's a little bit of this that um, plays into how the business is positioned as people like you and I consider retirement and roll off. And that's having people with a view of the reality of our current situation. Climate change is real. Diversity is real. The need for diversity is real. Some people just need to accept that and have that um, built into their thought process to, to move forward effectively. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, I used to be on a team with some really interesting people, and it was a tremendously diverse group, considering this was 20 plus years ago in the utility industry. And uh, and it always fascinated me how uh, I used to describe that people saw the other side of the ball from me. You know, whatever we were doing, I saw something one way, and then it was really enlightening to see how people with diverse backgrounds and, and history and perspectives and all that saw things differently. And that was somewhat subtle, but what are, what are some of the less intuitive benefits that you can help us to understand, Paul, that you're discovering on this journey? I think employee retention and job satisfaction are something that we're seeing in our employee surveys when it comes to um, really trying to motivate a, a, and increase the diversity of our work, workforce. I really hadn't anticipated that, but people are getting that connection and understanding that's a better place to work. And again, we're just so much more effective when we're taking that broad diversity into play. Like I said, ethnicity, age, political views, race, gender, the whole, the whole 
myriad of diverse views that are out there, it's just hugely helpful to how people are viewing us from an employee an employment standpoint. Well, Paul, I'm going to lead you to uh, the area that I really wanted to talk about today. And it, and it comes in the form of a specific example of some of the things that you're doing. Talk a little bit about, you know, the, the rock solid work that you're doing in this area. I, I think the best way to approach that question is to kind of wrap this around the work that our director of diversity and inclusion is heading up. And this individual is involved in chairing our dis, uh, disadvantaged enterprise initiatives. They're involved in looking at our subcontractor and partnering diversity. We want to create situations where the subcontractors and the partners working with Franklin Energy have the opportunity to succeed. Sometimes just because of the contractual nature of utilities and the amount of insurance you need and cybersecurity risks and uh, data security risks, it's just tremendously difficult for some smaller firms to deal with that at times. So we have a mentoring program for uh, some of the subcontractors we're working with, and we really want to kind of bring them along with us because we understand the value that they provide. Uh, we're having um, our director work with just procurement from a vendor standpoint internally. What vendors are we just buying products and services and software from, and how can we change that? And really, I think the biggest key to this individual's job is to train, motivate, and promote staff from within. So when we get people into this business, we have to make sure that they're exposed to opportunities and that we uh, critically look at how we're doing. And I think part of that critical look is really looking at our diversity at all levels. So we look at our senior management team and we have three of the top eight individuals at Franklin Energy would qualify under most people's definition of diverse. And I turned to my daughters and I said, I thought with pride, you know, that's not bad. And my daughters, whose opinion I respect a great deal, looked at me and I could tell they were almost talking by eye contact. And then one of them said, well, dad, you know, three out of eight isn't half. So that really kind of hit me that we need to improve it every level within the organization and look critically at each piece and how we're doing. And that director of diversity and inclusion just continues to help and drive that aspect of our business also. I love that, you know, out of the mouths of babes, right? The, uh, the fact that your kids took issue with, um, with the numeric side of what is clearly a significant effort on the part of your company but they boiled it down to just that simple thing, that it didn't meet their criteria. You know, and I think that's one of the interesting parts about this, Paul, and, and it's funny that you mentioned your, your daughters, because when you and I talked about this before, you were very clear that you use that as a sounding board, and I think that's representative of this larger conversation, right? You know, your, your daughters have a different perspective on the world than you, and that that dynamic that you have with them is the value of diversity and inclusion and equity amongst our companies. The, the broader, wider perspective that we can get from the people that we work with, whether they're our clients or our coworkers or our you know, vendors or our suppliers, that wider perspective is helpful 
gosh, virtually anywhere. But you know what? Let me ask you a question here. This one, I think, you know, maybe some of our listeners would tune into this. How does that relate to people in our industry that are working with, say, an investor-owned utility, which, you know, for, for many years, I don't think it's the case anymore, but for many years, that was not the bastion of diversity in this world. What do you think about how this relates to the investor-owned utility? You know, that's a good question. And just backing up, uh, I just wanted to stress the comments you made about uh, my daughters and their perspective, because they're both in their 20s, that even creates a diverse view, not just gender, but age. And that really helps us as a business trying to attract young talent, you know, so that's an important piece of this too. But anyway, back to your question. Um, I think utilities have changed a lot regarding that. And you're right, they aren't where they weren't the bastions of diversity over the years, but I think they have recognized and maybe have been helped by uh, utility commissions and other people kind of weighing in on how they do business. They've recognized the fact that, as I said earlier, their customer base is the definition of diversity because they're serving every customer in their territory. And I think they've gotten and understand the need to mirror that in their customer service staff and the people that are representing them out in the field with their customers. So I think that's very positive. So I look at it as them kind of turning things around and, and leading on that front and really have kind of safety and diversity as two huge pillars to their success. I think safety's always been part of it. And I think uh, diversity is a newer piece to that investor owned utility uh, mindset of how they're gonna move forward. You know, the, uh, the benefits to, in, in your description, the benefits to utilities and, and business in general, obviously, uh, they seem fairly obvious. I mean, and they, they clearly are. But if you don't mind, I'd love to ask what you think about how does that benefit your private firm? Because, you know, you're spending, basically, you're spending money, you're spending time and effort on this issue and what are what is the in essence the payback? What's the benefit that flows back to your particular company for this effort? Well, this is the I guess probably the crass and and um, profit driven aspect of this is that you can do the right thing and do the profitable thing, and sometimes they're the same thing. And in this case it is the same thing because we gain by that diversity of thought, we gain in how we're implementing programs, we gain in the cost effectiveness of that, which helps our relationship with our utilities. And in all honesty, there are gonna be times where the utilities will lead that effort and there's times where we're gonna to have to push them. And I think we're coming up on some times outside of this question of diversity where we're gonna to have to to really push our utility clients to be innovative when they look at their grid operation and how they're doing business and the impacts uh, that renewables have had on their grid, the impacts that uh, cost structures and being cost effective, customer service pressures. There's a lot going on with utilities where they're going to have to really drive to be effective. And there's times where our industry, the you know, the people involved in AESP, those organizations, they're going to have to push and drive utilities to think about this thing a little bit differently. Um, so, 
Please go ahead. Oh, I was I was actually just going to expand on that a little bit, Paul. I didn't interrupt you. It's funny when you say push the utility. I, as the ex-utility guy, I immediately think about the regulator, public utility commission, you know, city council, whatever it is that that governs that utility. How does a utility, for example, a public utility commission, how do you think the utility commission might view the efforts of a utility on diversity and inclusion? It's 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 not intuitively maybe a cost-effective thing. But you and I are both here to say it's it is an absolutely great benefit for the business. But you know that might be a little hard to quantify from a public utility perspective, commission perspective. What do you think about that? I think well, that's a really good question and actually a pretty hard question, John, because um, I, <laughs> you stumped me a bit. So when you look at uh, the utility commissions and, and the protection of the public. And because utilities are fairly monopolistic, there's an extra layer of protection for us. And that is the Public Utility Commission in regulating what the, what the utility is doing. And if they really look at their job, they have to protect the entirety of the population in, in what they're doing. Um, and if they're promoting that diversity piece they're promoting what's in the best interest of all the constituents that they're protecting. So I think if they look at it at that base philosophical level of their job, I think they will see that tie that that creates benefit for the broader public, not just um, one certain group within that public. So Paul, I'm going to um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit with you here, and, and you mentioned that you find benefit benefits obviously in a more diverse team. But specifically, when it comes to helping customers or utilities or customers define their benefits, tell me more about that strategy. And I think you said that you have some real world examples about that, right? Yeah, John, thank you for circling back to that, because I think I've spoken relatively generally about the benefit of diversity when it comes to program delivery and providing cost effective services for utility clients. When you look at the nuts and bolts of how that delivery goes, it's really helpful to have people thinking about what the customer group looks like and how best to impact that customer group. So when you have commercial and industrial customers that are making decisions mostly on payback and what's good for, the, for their bottom line, it doesn't make sense to have somebody in there that is pitching that they should do the right thing for the right reason and for reducing their carbon footprint and for helping the environment. That may not be the best message to give to a commercial and industrial customer that's making a decision on cost effectiveness. So you have to look at who's doing the job in the field as well as, as uh, what they're saying. And then when you look at other customer groups, you think about designing and implementing um, low income or income qualified programs, people that have been in that spot being exposed to those services will know what works best. Um, those are a couple specific examples. I'm trying to think of more. The, the ethnic factor and the ethnicity of certain geographic territories and how to attract customers in those territories are best kind of uh, brought to light by people that understand those communities, you know? So we've done things as 
basic or as complicated, depending on how you want to look at it, as looking at bungalow associations in certain neighborhoods. We've gone to take our uh, targeting to dry cleaners in the Chicago market with all of the material in Korean because that's the vast majority of the people that are running those operations. So I think it's really important from the standpoint of the design of programs and delivering that as cost effectively as possible if you look at um, having that diverse input to the, pro to the process. You know, Paul, you just said uh, uh, Chicago and laundromats and the, and the Chinese community that runs them, et cetera. And, and in some of the conversations that you and I had leading up to today, uh, you mentioned a really good example of an inner city organization, I think, that your firm is helping directly, uh, not just to reach out to an, uh, you know, an employee pool, but you're also helping to bring those people on as contributors to, to your program work, I believe. I think that's what you told me. Talk to me about that. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, and, and then I, I guess I'm kind of going back to my roots again here. Tell me how that's different than what we did 10 years ago. I, thank you. And I might need a reminder on the 10 year part or the second part of that question, but I'll, I'll get back to that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're really proud of the work we're doing in New York City. Um, the Green City Force is a program in New York where they're training people uh, coming out of New York Housing Authority um, housing situations. They're training them for real world jobs. Franklin Energy is uh, taking people into employment through that mechanism, through that training program. I think we've hired 20 to 25 people, all of which have been a success from the standpoint of them meeting our expectations for a new employee coming into our, our system. So it's a really cool program. I'm not giving it the justice it deserves, but it's taking people in the 18 to 24 year old age category, providing them good training. We provide an employment opportunity doing home energy assessments or doing direct install work in the field. There's career tracks within Franklin Energy, and we're also establishing career tracks within the trades. They're seeing plumbing, HVAC, electric uh, apprentice opportunities, and it's just a really positive story. And we're trying to replicate that now in Milwaukee and Chicago, working with our utility clients to kind of use that as the model to have people coming into the workforce. Now, I didn't address the now versus 10 years ago. I really think that I'm going to answer this not from the specifics of programs like that, but just from what I'm seeing and feeling the difference between uh, people coming into the employment market now, um, 20 and 30 some year old individuals versus some of the 50, 60 and 70 year old individuals leaving the workforce. I really see, and I'm really optimistic about the future. I really see people coming into the workforce as more accepting and tolerant of people that are different than themselves. And if that can continue and those people have that attitude throughout their lifetime and don't start to become cynical or jaded based on 
you know, what's going on in the politics of the time, for example, if that doesn't ruin their attitude, I see this trending very positively because people coming into the workforce, I think, have have a great attitude uh, towards, you know, that tolerance and acceptance of people different than themselves. You know what, Paul, I think the best value that uh, folks that are talking about leaving the industry can do, can leave behind is to make diversity not the exception, but the rule. And I think that's exactly what you're just saying. I, I, you know, the future is bright when it comes to this industry. Uh, we are, you know, I'm like I said, I'm leaving soon. You're not leaving as soon as me, I don't think. But when we both do, we will have left this industry in great hands. I really am just thrilled for where we're going and the people that are going to lead us. I will really want to thank you for sharing some of the things that your company and you personally, Paul, are doing to ensure that, that our industry is practicing what we preach in terms of diversity and equity inclusion. Um, any last comments from you on that? Uh, I'm just honored to be part of the conversation. I'm glad we had the opportunity. And uh, I expect for the time I do have remaining working at Franklin Energy to help us uh, be accountable for some of the things I said today and some of the goals of the overall industry. Because you're right, John, it's, I'm very optimistic about the future. I'm also optimistic because there are so many cool new programs and different things that we can do for our utility clients. So we've got um, kind of the perfect positive storm of things going forward here. So I'm excited about it for the future also. Well, you know what, Paul, one of the best ways to be held accountable to something is talk about the fact that you're doing it and you, you're doing it. And I really appreciate you sharing both your, your activities that you're in and your perspective on this and, uh, and pass on my thanks to your daughters for holding you to that highest level. All right. I will do so, John. Thanks very much for, again, for the opportunity. All right. Paul Schuler, CEO of Franklin Energy. Thanks very much for being with us today. Thanks everybody.